For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Remember all those listener questions you've been sending us in regarding financial aid? Well, we're going to be answering as many of those as we can today. Um, and it's actually, this is going to be a monthly segment for us. We're going to do one, um, once a month, we're going to answer listener questions about financial aid. And once a month, we're also going to do a separate segment answering your admissions questions. So if you have questions, send them in. We would love it if you actually call us on air, but since people seem to be listening on their own time when we're not live, which is totally fine. We love that. We encourage that. Go to iTunes, sign up, get the show sent directly to you. Um, But if you do have questions, send them to us via email and we will get to them. Um, We'll do our best to get to them all. The email address is gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. So I'll repeat that a little later too, but gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. But before we get to that, um, many of our listeners are actually in the final stages of the admissions process. And for those of you who are just embarking on this process, uh, uh, I think a lot of people will tell you, just blink a few times and you'll find that you're already here. So if you're dreading it, it will all be over pretty soon, believe it or not. Um, But for those people who are in the final stages, they're waiting on decisions from the colleges on their list. Um, And for some of them, the choice of where to actually go to college might actually end up being the toughest part of the process. Um, So today I'm really excited because we're welcoming not one, but two college students to the show uh, who are going to share their college search and selection experiences with all of you. And first up is Lexi Dubbs, who is currently enrolled at Northeastern University in Boston. Welcome, Lexi. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. Um, what I, I sort of was looking around for people who had um, just a college selection experience that was a really thoughtful one and ultimately, ideally, a very successful one. Um, so uh, I guess why don't we start with where you started, which is, you know, what were your primary criteria? We're always telling people you want to have a list of things that are really important to you about your college, sort of your criteria. So I'd be curious to know um, what your primary criteria were when you started the search for the college that you would ultimately enroll in. Okay, so I changed those primary criteria quite a bit throughout my search. So when I started, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking for, and I didn't know what I wanted my major to be. So I was just looking at um, schools with a good ranking that had a nice size that I could, because I didn't want to go to a very small college. So schools with a nice size, schools with good undergraduate research and study abroad programs. But as you can see, I didn't have a ton of criteria. But then as I went through the college search, I realized what I wanted. 
So I concentrated more on factors like um, how much was it going to cost to attend that school. Um, I wanted, sorry. I just said very important, absolutely. How much is it going to cost you? (laughs) It is very important. Um, Some other things were major options. So I was pretty sure I wanted to be an engineer, but I didn't want to go to an institute of technology because maybe I would decide not to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. And... Also, I decided I wanted to go to school in an urban location with other schools around, which is one reason why I chose Boston. Um, I looked at their co-op and their career opportunities um, and then study abroad, and research is still pretty important. And then also I started looking at, like, the student population. So at Northeastern, we have a really high international student population, which I really like. Why was that important to you? Or why did, how did that emerge as something that was important to you? So I realized that college is really about, like, exploring the world around you and learning about other people and other cultures. So one of my other options was the University of Tennessee, and um, 93% of their undergraduates are from Tennessee. And I just, I wanted to meet some new people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is the challenge sometimes with going to your state school is that it might feel like a little bit of an extension of high school for some people, although, you know, not always. I'm curious um, how you evolved those criteria. So you started as, I think as many people do, quite honestly, with a fairly like, I don't really know. I know I, there are a few things that are important to me, but beyond that, I don't really know. And then you, over time, really did evolve that into a fairly specific list. So how did, what impacted the, the changing of the criteria, criteria or adding different things that were important to you? I think I just really started to think about what I wanted out of a college. And I also started to think more about, like, what would help me later on when I um, looked for a career. So the co-op program um, at Northeastern, I think that's really going to help me first figure out exactly what kind of engineering I want to do. And then also, it looks really great on a resume to have that much job experience coming out of college. And were, did, were there other schools on your list that also had co-op programs? Did that kind of, seeing that Northeastern have that, did that become something you looked for at other places, or was it just kind of a unique thing that you found at Northeastern that didn't necessarily exist at the other schools on your list? I think co-op is, at most schools, co-op is becoming a thing that um, they're having. So at a lot of schools, they would mention, like, oh, yeah, we have co-op, too. Um, but it would be an optional thing that not many students did. And um, it wasn't that easy to, like, work into your schedule. But at Northeastern, like, they've always had co-op. And they have it very fixed where, like, everyone goes on co-op and they have it worked into your schedule. So it works very nicely. So once I saw it at Northeastern, I started hearing it more at other colleges. But I saw that Northeastern really had a more developed program. Got it. Got it. Did you, how much visiting did you do? Um, would you say, did you see a lot of colleges, only a handful? And, and when did you do those visits? Um, well, I had the luck of having an older brother who was two years older than me. So when he started going on college visits junior year, I just tagged along as a freshman. So I've gone to very many colleges on college <laughs> visits. <laughs> um, yeah, and if we if there was a college nearby on a like family vacation, we'd stop by. But so I've been to very many. See, I love that you did that because I always give that advice to families. Hey, if you're going to be on vacation, there's a college campus. Go check it out. 
I, yeah. I never know if people actually do that. I think it's a great idea. See, look, you did it. I love that. Um, when you were, so you went along with your older brother, which is awesome. And you, you had the chance sometimes just on a vacation to check something out. Did you do any specific visits for yourself um, when you were going through the process as well? I did actually. Um, my mom and I, I remember junior year, we took a trip up to Boston. It was like half college expedition, half vacation so we visited a lot of colleges there and we made some specific visits to other colleges that I was looking at but I didn't start doing that until um like spring junior year or during the summer before my senior year got it but you did it before you ended up applying yeah okay did you end up did you apply did you apply to any colleges that you didn't visit I did actually and so how was that? Was that hard because you hadn't actually been on campus or did you use the similarities that maybe those schools had to um, schools you had seen? Um, you know, did that work in that favor at all? Or you just kind of figured, I like the school enough, I'm going to apply and if I get in, I'll visit? Yeah, the, that was probably my mentality is I like this and I would look into them some and compare them to other schools. I probably should have researched them more before I spent the money on applying for them. But, yeah, that yeah, that's how I did it. Is I just compared them with other schools, and then I figured, like, if I get in, I'll look into them more. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, I would say sometimes that that can be a good process, and sometimes, like you say, maybe you wouldn't have spent the money on it. Did you end up going to visit any of the schools that you hadn't seen before and deciding, wow, if I had visited, I never would have applied here? Did that happen at all? No, that didn't happen. The opposite actually happened. Uh, one school I applied to was Ohio State. And to be honest, I did it because I thought I could get pretty good scholarship money and they were on the common application, so it wasn't a lot of effort. But then mm-hmm. I actually went and visited for um, like an honor student weekend, and it was really great. I really liked the campus and the people and I never would have thought I would have wanted to go to Ohio State, but I liked it a lot there. But you liked it a lot. And I do think that keeping an open mind and being willing to consider an alternative that maybe you hadn't thought about before can be super useful. Um, you, now, you mentioned that um, money and paying for college was certainly a big piece of your process. Did you... Um, specifically applied to a lot of schools like your decision with Ohio State because you thought you might qualify for a fair amount of aid? What, what was your thought process or how did that paying for college kind of come into play? So that's one of the things I would change if I could go back. So actually during the application process, I applied to schools I wanted to go to uh, and then I thought, well, oh, like I don't know if I can afford all these. Let me look at some other more affordable options. So that that's when I applied to Ohio State, and then I applied to my state school, uh, University of Tennessee, just as a safety, and if I couldn't afford anything else. Right. So, so you said if you could do something differently, that's something you would change. What exactly would you change about, about that part of the process? So I guess going into it, I would think more about the financial aspect of the school, um, like earlier on in the process so I could maybe tailor my search to find more schools that like would fit our financial needs but also I would enjoy attending instead of just applying to one because I think I could get a good scholarship and then finding out that I actually really liked it. Got it. Right. So if you had visited Ohio State right from the beginning, that might have been on your list right from the get-go and maybe you would have found some other schools that fit 
similarly where they would have given you a lot of money that you also really liked? Is that kind of um, your thinking if you had it to all do all over again? Right. Yeah. I do think you bring up the importance of having, a, you know, we talk a lot about having a balanced list, having reaches, having matches, having safeties, but we don't also always define a safety. Safety can be um, certainly schools that you know you're going to get into, but it's also important to have financial safeties for those of you who are concerned about how to pay for college. And quite honestly, that's far more people than not really have to think about, how am I going to afford a college that might run fifty, sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars $65,000 a year? Most people can't just write a check for that. Um, and so I love that, you know, you had a financial safety or more than one financial safety. Um, in the end, how many schools were you choosing from when it came when it came down to getting all your acceptances in? So if you I remember. got accepted. I, I didn't keep track exactly how many, but I think I got accepted to somewhere around ten or eleven schools, and then I like slowly narrowed that down, and then um, I narrowed it down to schools I actually wanted, and then I brought in the money factor and narrowed that down to schools we could afford. So then I was left with. Um, three schools, so Ohio State, University of Tennessee, and Northeastern. Got it. How did you go about the process of narrowing things down? Um, so the first thing I did was I made a, a uh, like a spreadsheet of all the quantitative measures. So I got on the U.S. News and World Report website, and I got on the um, the the College Board website. They have a nice website, and I just like size, average class size. Um, majors, percent international students, percent that were in Greek life, uh, just a whole bunch of different factors. And I started looking at those, and I got rid of a couple, and then some of them, I, it's probably not the best method, but I was just <laughs> like, I thought about the connotation of the college and like the feel of it, and I decided, mm, that's not really my style, which I don't know how good of a tactic that is, but it made me narrow down my list some. Right. I guess you could argue that maybe those are things to think about before you apply, but sometimes you don't really know until you get all those acceptances back how you're going to feel in your gut about them. And, you know, to me, what you're describing is a little bit of a gut reaction and inclination. And I don't think that's terrible unless everything has, you have a gut reaction that's negative too. Then it's sort of like, okay, well, now you need to go back and have a different process. But I don't know that there are a lot of people who don't do some version of that anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. So once you did that, did you go and revisit some schools? Obviously, you had to go to Ohio State because you hadn't seen that before. Did you revisit some of the other schools that kind of made the cut? Yeah, so I revisited I revisited Northeastern, and uh, both Ohio State and the University of Tennessee, they had, like, special days for um, the people they were offering scholarships to, so I visited during those things as well. Um, I think I went down for a visit to Georgia Tech as well. Got it. And so did those visits help you kind of solidify in your mind which felt like the right fit and which sort of didn't feel like that? Honestly, for me, they didn't because I liked all the visits. They were all good. Right. They're showing you their best, right? So you're kind of... yeah. Now they're rolling out the red carpet for you. I always tell people that's the fun part is because you get to go back and now instead of you trying to woo them, the reverse is going on. Um, so so I then... If I could, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I think if I could redo those visits, 
So, like I said, I went to, like, a scholarship weekend at um, Tennessee and Ohio State, and then at Northeastern, it was a weekend for accepted students. So, I think if I could redo those, I wouldn't visit on a weekend, and I want to go to the special events. Well, I might go to the special events, but in addition, I would like to just visit the campus and get a feel for who the students are and what the campus is like during class in normal times. Right, like go to a class and not necessarily be a VIP on campus because they're trying to woo you, but more see it from the perspective of an actual student then. Right. Yeah, got it. So now you, you made the final decision. How hard was it to, to make the final call to go to Northeastern? It was very difficult. I think I submitted my deposit the week of May 1st, like the week before May 1st. So it came right down to the end. And so at the end, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. What was it that ultimately pushed, you know, you to Northeastern versus, let's say, Ohio State? Because it sounds like it kind of came down to those two for you. So Northeastern, it was a little bit more expensive than Ohio State, but it was still in reach. And then it also had, when I just looked at it on paper, it had more of the qualities that I wanted. And... Mm -hmm. I also liked that it was of a decent size, but Ohio State is huge, which, you know, it would be okay because I would find my own community within it, but I thought it would be nice to go to a school that wasn't quite so huge. Got it. And are you happy with the choice? Yeah, I'm very happy. Um, anything that is, I guess my first question is sort of, was it everything you hoped it would be? Or is it different than what you thought? But obviously it's good regardless, but I'm curious how your perception of what it was going to be like measures up with the actual experience? Um, it's, yeah, it's everything I would hope it could be. It's maybe I didn't quite realize what all the opportunities were before I got here, but now that I'm here, I'm realizing there's, there's a lot of opportunities here, but like because I'm at Northeastern, but also because I'm in Boston. So I just at Northeastern, they have, like a ton of clubs and student organizations. Um, I'm in a couple of them. They also have undergraduate research. It's really easy to get involved in. I'm a freshman and I just emailed a couple of professors and I was like, hey, your research is interesting. And I talked to a couple of them and toured labs and now I'm doing research um, in one of the labs that looks at collagen, which is really interesting to me. Um, I get to do volunteering for my scholarship, which I really like because I tutor adults that are going toward, for their GED. Um, there's, there's even this thing here called NU Calls, which what it is, it's students who are fluent in a language teach other students a language. So right now I'm in a French 1 class taught by another student. So there's just That's- lots of things I never would have guessed that would be here are here. Yeah, that's very cool, actually. I love that. The students teaching other students how to speak a language. You probably get more useful French than you would in a regular standard French 101 class. You know, they teach you the stuff that you really need to say to, to be able to say to get around. I love that. So cool. Well, yeah. Lexi, I really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, thanks for sharing your own personal experience in the process. I think there's a lot of really great stuff here for people to take away and kind of learn from your own process. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, After the break, we're going to hear from another student who had a slightly different approach to his college process because he opted for early decision. Uh, So come back after the break and you can find out more about it. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Uh, Before the break, we talked to Lexi Dubbs, who walked us through her college selection process and how she made her final decision in the end. Um, Our next student, C.J. Dickman, had a slightly different experience than Lexi. Uh, in that he opted for binding early decision at Wake Forest rather than applying to a number of schools and making a decision once he had a lot of acceptances in hand. Um, So we're excited to have you on the show, CJ. Excited to be here. All right, awesome. Well, so um, as I was sort of telling our listeners beforehand, one of the things that's going on right now is that a lot of the people who listen to the show are waiting for their acceptances to come in. My guess is if they applied early decision, they've probably stopped listening to the show because they're in and they're all done. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I do think it's useful for um, students who have not yet embarked on the process to get a little bit of a better understanding about um, students' selection process. And um, so that's where you come in. And I guess my first question for you is um, the same question that I asked Lexi, which is what were your criteria when you started? So when you started to think about where you wanted to go to college and thinking about a list, um, what did you start with and did those criteria change over time as you kind of got a little more involved in the process? Yeah, so I kind of started off um, my college search with actually my older sister. Um, so I, she's four years ahead of me. Um, so she, when she was looking, you know, I, I was relatively young, but 
I accompanied my parents and my family whenever they'd go and visit colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd kind of get a feel of, like, you know, this is, like, way too big for me or this is way too small for me. Um, and that kind of stuck with me through the next years um, before I actually actually started truly investigating these schools. So that was kind of like my, I guess you could say, preliminary stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge benefit to me, in my opinion, that I don't think a lot of people have. Um, so that was, that was huge for me. And then kind of once, you know, I started progressing through high school, I um, really kind of found what I was passionate about, which ended up being um, economics and politics. And I, so I kind of just one day, you know, sophomore year, got online and was looking up schools that had pretty strong politics and economics departments. Um, and so, you know, you came across your top, you know, 10, five schools, Harvard, you know, all those. And, and as I kept scrolling down, I, I saw Wake Forest. Um, and so I looked a little more in depth to that. Um, and that's kind of the approach that I took to every school. So, you know, the top 45 schools, I kind of, you know, just clicked on some, some information, basic information tab, you know, how big uh, their, you know, uh, post-college, post-graduation uh, job rate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really knew kind of what I wanted to do before going to college, which is why I kind of offer a unique perspective, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, just preliminary kind of examinations on, on you know, the size of the school. I wanted small um, and I wanted kind of close to home, but not, you know, too close where I feel like I'm going home every weekend. So my dad, my dad jokes that um, he wanted me within a 300-mile radius. So I got, I got out to see how far I could push that, and I ended up only going, you know, 306 miles outside of, uh, outside of home. So he was pretty happy about that. Yeah, when I was looking at colleges, this is of course a long, much longer time ago. My parents basically drew a semicircle on the map and said, "If you can, if you're within a six-hour drive, that's as far as you can go." And like you, I went exactly six hours from home. So there you go. You got to push the envelope a little while still staying within the boundaries, I suppose. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I always think uh, that when people have older siblings and they're able to go on those college visits, I think it's really, really helpful. Interestingly to me anyway, not all of the students that I've worked with who have older siblings join them on those college trips. I'm not really sure why. I guess parents figure they're not going to be interested or maybe they just wanted it to be a you know, one parent and one kid kind of bonding experience. And I'm sure that parents have their reasons. But my plea to all of you is, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to CJ. He said that was really super useful to him. Um, and, you know, interestingly, too, I mean, do you think if you hadn't visited, it's kind of impossible to say, but if if you hadn't visited all those schools with your older sister, do you think you would have been as interested in college as early as you were? Absolutely not. I mean, I, that's like people who I'm friends with hadn't started thinking about college until it was time to actually sit down and apply. So they were kind of, you know, scrambling to make a list, kind of, you know, really packing in these college visits in the span of, you know, a month. They had to go visit six colleges. So they're doing multi-day, multi, you know, tour visits. And that's just a lot to handle. And when you get in those kind of high stress environments, you, you know, you can make irrational decisions that I don't think you'd make in kind of a calm and serene environment. So I think once you get that kind of, you know, two years before you're actually supposed to start planning actually going to college, I think that that kind of just calms everything down a bit and really makes you step back and say, you know, okay, I didn't like this then. Let's, you know, look at it maybe one more time, but, like, 
I don't think I'm going to like it, so I can put it at the bottom of my list. I think it helps prioritize your list, definitely. Right. And right. When it, so when it came time to do your own specific visits, did you find that if you'd seen the school with your sister um, that you didn't necessarily need to go back there again? Were there any of those schools that you did revisit? Um, pretty much the first one. I didn't, I mean, I knew my sister went to UVA, so I had experienced that for all four years that she was there. And so I, that was on my list. That was high on my list because I liked it a lot, but I never went back and did a formal tour because I'd already been around the campus. Um, Mm -hmm. and then same thing with a bunch of other schools that she looked at. I went there with her and then I just, I didn't go back because I knew enough about the school that I knew I either wanted to apply there or didn't want to apply there. Got it. And, you know, one other argument, and, and tell me if this is true, did it also help you be a little more focused in school because you knew what some of the schools you were interested in were looking for, kind of grade-wise or test score-wise or extracurricular-wise? Absolutely. It was that, that was really big because before kind of, um, before, I guess, sophomore year, so like freshman year, of high school, I wasn't necessarily involved in much. Um, and then once I started going on these college tours, you know, they keep kept repeating, repeating the phrase, you know, we're looking for the whole person, the person who's involved in these extracurriculars. And, you know, I'm looking at my application in my head and I'm like, I'm not involved in anything. <laughs> so kind of coming back, I, you know, kind of took school by storm and, and just got involved in a bunch of things, worked my way up into leadership positions. And I, I think ultimately that's what actually ended up helping me get into Wake. Um, I ended up coming here with my sister when she looked here. Um, she didn't like it, but um, but I, I kind of saw what they were looking for, and I kind of took that to heart and really implemented that when I got you know when I got to high school and, and really got in the important you know, sophomore junior years of high school. CJ, you talk as if I have scripted you. I want my listeners to know I did not script this because you are literally (laughs) saying what I tell families, like, go a little early, check it out. It might actually spur a student to do exactly what you did. I'm not sure every student has that experience, but um, you were certainly very smart to use that as like, oh, I'm not doing any of this. So let me start. So that's Thank you very much. (laughs) So in terms of... um, Now, the big thing for you is that you ultimately decided to apply to Wake Forest via their binding early decision um, uh, process. And just for our listeners, basically what that means is that you signed a piece of paper, your parents signed a piece of paper, and your um, college counselor at your high school signed a piece of paper, all acknowledging that if they admitted you, you were going to withdraw all of your other applications and deposit and attend Wake Forest. Um, so just so people are clear on that. How, um, how many schools did you consider before kind of settling on the, the notion that Wake Forest was really your top choice and you wanted to do ED? Yeah, so I um, this is kind of a little more, than, I guess, the nerd side of me. So I, I ran a lot of numbers um, actually through my counseling department, through the college coach, um, and kind of um, came up with a list of, you know, what I could get into with my current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that list, I kind of, I kind of took schools, you know, out of it selectively and was like, okay, I have a, you know, 70% chance of getting into Wake if I apply early decision 
or like I have a 65% chance of getting into UVA if I have, if I apply early action, things like that. So that was mm-hmm. kind of a big, a big thing for me that I did kind of preliminary. And then I put that to the side and then, cause early decision is huge. It's a huge decision for not only you, but you, your family. Um, yep. I mean, we talked about it tremendously. Um, but I think ultimately, um, what I kind of decided was, you know, do I, and this is what I think everybody decides with early decisions, do you love the school enough that, you know, you're kind of, well, this is what happens, you're willing to drop everything. Um, yep. And so I ended up applying to eight schools, um, and I applied to five of them before I even chose to do wake early decision. So kind of, I had that thought in the back of my head, but before I made the decision, I wanted to make sure I got applications in. And a lot of people I talk to, you know, they tell me I'm crazy because I spent so much time doing these applications when I might not even have gotten in to, um, uh, or I may have gotten into wake and not even needed to do them. But I think having um, backup plans is definitely smart um, for those who are, because a lot of my friends uh, that are currently here at wake applied early decisions as well. But this is the only school they applied to. So mm-hmm. if they didn't get in, then, then, you know, they don't really have anything else to do unless they're scrambling late. Then they're in the regular decision pool, which is, you know, a little harder to get into. Um, but things like that. So going back to the original question, um, it was definitely a decision that we all, as a collective family, made. Um, and, you know, I, I applied to... You know, UVA, which was second on my list. Um, I applied to William & Mary, which was third on my list. I applied all those early action um, just so I could hear back soon enough that if I really had to scramble at the end, I could do that. But the decision to go early decision uh, kind of came around, like, right before, the, right before the, uh, the date for the application was due. And it was definitely a well-thought-out, you know, we wrote down pros and cons for doing it, things like that. But... It was definitely a family decision that everybody was involved in, not just myself. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to go about it. A lot of times I have um, students and families who are sort of like, well, we know we're going to do ED, but we don't know where. Um, And Mm -hmm. I would say that's the exact wrong attitude um, because it is such a big commitment and because not all students are ready to say, yeah, that's where I want to be for the next four years in um, October of their senior year of high school. I mean, you still have a lot of growing and thinking to do. Um, I'm curious if after the acceptance from um, Wake Forest came in, if you had any regrets, if you sort of thought, gee, well, I wish I could have heard from some other schools or I wish I had a choice um, or if you felt just as good about getting in and and having it done as you did the day you decided to apply ED. Yeah. um, Yeah. Oh, this is always a hard one. Um, I mean, there's, I have a bunch of friends who went to UVA and who are love, like they love UVA. My sister went there. So we have a lot of strong connections there. And that was kind of a, it was, it was kind of like Wake Forest number one, then UVA number two. And then the rest were like way down, like priorities mm-hmm. way down on my list um, in terms of like how much I like the school. So UVA is, is I kind of want to know, you know, what, what would happen if I, I had gotten in there and, um, but I, I try not to look too much on the past. I mean, I love where I am now. Um, something that we did before I even decided to apply early decision was, um, this is going back to kind of your previous question, but my dad and I, 
so we went, we looked in the, um, in like May of my junior year, um, at Wake, and then I decided I'm going to apply early decision, and then I came back and looked at it again, um, back in like September, October area, and did a whole kind of like immersion program, so they offered, they offered this program where you can go like take a model class, meet a bunch of professors, have lunch with various other applicants, uh, and that was really cool, and that kind of helped me kind of really solidify the fact that I really wanted to be here and really put this school above the rest to make that early decision kind of mm-hmm. call. Um, so that was really cool. And then going back to your first your question originally about the regrets, um, I mean, just the UVA thing would have been cool. I ended up actually hearing back from Elon before I heard back from Wake Forest. So I can say that I got into one other school, which is kind of <laughs> exciting. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I love where I am now. Uh, and, I, I mean, I'm, this is definitely the school for me. Um, so I, I try not to look back too much on, on what could have been. Yeah, I mean, at some point, there's, there isn't any point to that. But I think that there's a lesson here, again, for listeners, which is that even getting an early decision, that there may be some questions and some regrets, and you really do have to be sure that it's the right choice for you when you make that choice. Um, so it does sound like Wake Forest is great. I'm curious if it's everything you thought it would be or if um, – Things are a little different than you than you um, imagined they were going to be. If your experience as a student kind of measures up the way you hoped it would, uh, it's definitely uh, harder academically than I had originally anticipated. Interesting. Um, I I was kind of one of those kids in high school who kind of just went through the motions and and did pretty good. Um, and you can't do that here, uh, as I learned freshman year in my first semester. At at Wake, um, so that was kind of a shock, but uh, it's really cool how, you know, we were, so we're a small private institution, but, um, and we're very competitive, but each one of us kind of uses that competition to push one another, which is really cool that I really like that I don't think you get at a lot of other schools, so if my friends go to William & Mary, and they are like, you know, this is very, uh, you know, it's, it's a great school, and I love it here, but people are kind of sheltered, and they're not you know, they're not willing to kind of break out of their shell. Uh, so here I think it kind of forces you to get to get out, get involved, get in things that you normally wouldn't get involved in. I Freshman year I was like, no, I don't want to get involved in Greek life. That's not something that I necessarily want to be a part of. Uh, and then kind of towards the end of freshman year, I found a group of friends that were involved in Greek life. And, you know, they I hung out with them a lot, and they finally convinced me to do it, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, I'm the president of my fraternity now. Um, and so it, it really, the school really does a great job of kind of forcing you to go outside your comfort zone and really find, you know, your niche home within Wake Forest. And what's interesting to me is that their application, um, and for those of you who aren't aware, um, Wake Forest has a <laughs> significant supplement. Yes, um, they do. That I think actually does probably what it's intended to, which is 
A, it weeds out students who really aren't interested in Wake Forest and kind of just like, well, I want to put my application in there. Well, once they take a look at the supplement, they're like, no, I'm not going to be doing that. But I think they're trying to get at that um, sort of personality that you're describing um, because they ask questions that do beg the sort of like, hey, what's your opinion on this? What do you think about this? They want that type of a student body who's then going to be driven outside of their dorm and, and into interactions with other students. So that's pretty cool that um, you see that there. And, and I, that helps me make the connection between the way they ask those questions on the application. Um, anything? Definitely. My, um, oh. No, go for it. My, um, a bunch of my friends, you know, when I was applying, I was telling them I'm applying to Wake Forest. And they're like, oh, yeah, I looked at it. But once I saw their supplement, I turned it away. And I was like, I, I tell people now I would not have gone into Wake Forest if it wasn't for those supplement essays. And why do you say that? Just just because, you know, there's a lot of, um, so my SAT scores weren't that, weren't as high as I'd hoped they'd be. Um, my GPA was, you know, it, it was, it was good. Um, but I think that the way I express, uh, kind of like who I am is, you know, just writing it out, talking. Um, and I think that's kind of the difference between Wake Forest and maybe like, like I joke with my friends between Wake Forest and, and like a Harvard is that Harvard doesn't teach you the people skills that you'll get at a Wake Forest or you'll get at, you know, a school that really makes you kind of be, be a community, not just yourself. Um, and that's what those supplement essays do. Like you said earlier, they really kind of make you sit down and think, you know, what kind of person am I and am I going to succeed here? Mm-hmm. So I, that's that's kind of what I, I joke with my friend, saying that, you know, if I if I wasn't able to write, you know, five essays like that, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. See, so there you go. It also works that way too, right? Giving them, and exactly. I think there's value in that. And they, you know, they do still have that ability to say, you know, this this kid's awesome. Look at these essays, and and this is someone we want on our campus. Um, CJ, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that was super thoughtful and helpful, um, and hopefully there's some good stuff from our listeners to take away from all of this. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I hope I help some people. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, next up, we're going to be answering your college finance questions right after the break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. 
You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I don't know if you're just joining us, but if you missed the previous two segments with our students who came on and talked to us about their college selection process, do me a favor, go back and listen. There was some really great stuff in there, um, and those were super fun. Great kids. Um, But right now, we are actually going to focus back on you guys and um, your financial aid questions. And my colleague, Michelle Clifton, who was here last week, is back again. Um, She's a former financial aid officer at RISD and Babson, um, and her name is Michelle Clifton. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good, thanks. All right, we've got a lot of questions, so we're going to jump right in. Um, okay. The first uh, comes from a listener who is wondering, you know, how do you determine what scholarships to apply for, and how does this affect your financial award? Okay. So I'll assume that they're asking about outside scholarships. And as far as outside scholarships, there's two main ways to find those. There's national searches through websites such as scholarships.com or the College Board Scholarship Search Tool, among many others. And there's also a great way to search for outside scholarships through local organizations. So checking with the guidance counselor for a list of scholarships is a great first step. Uh, Asking parents to find out if their employers offer scholarships. Check with local groups especially ones that you might already have a relationship with, you know, maybe the YMCA or your church. When I was at Babson, uh, many of my students received outside scholarships, and a large majority seemed like they were coming from those local organizations. Mm -hmm. And I also found that those tended to be more likely to be renewable for, you know, sophomore, junior, senior years as well. Um, And then as far as how that affects the financial aid award, with everything in financial aid, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I feel like that's always my answer. Um, But it depends on the type of aid that you're already receiving, as well as that college's policy. So for someone that's just getting merit scholarships, getting an outside scholarship shouldn't affect that, assuming that the overall funding doesn't, you know, between the the merit scholarship and an outside scholarship doesn't exceed the cost of attendance. Mm-hmm. But for someone that's receiving a need-based grant, every college has a specific policy on how they treat outside scholarships. Some I've found are super generous, and they allow a student to receive outside scholarships up to the cost of attendance, less other aid, which is ideal. Um, mm-hmm. But others may have a, a specific limit, you know, maybe 5000 or 8000 something like that. And then they would reduce 
the, their institutional grant if you exceeded that. So I always tell students if they're, they find that they're receiving more than a couple thousand in outside scholarships, check in with the financial aid offices to see what their policy is and if it's going to change the award. Right, because is it possible that it might not decrease any loans that you have to take out, but because they'll, the school will apply it and take away their grant money in, instead? Does that happen? Yeah, it does, unfortunately, sometimes. A lot yeah. of times it'll, it'll first reduce the loan, but, it, but some schools might also reduce their, their grants. So it's good to find out in advance. Right, what that's going to be. Okay. All right, the next question comes from one of those listeners I was mentioning earlier, which they're waiting for decisions. Um, and uh, this, this mom or dad writes, my son's a senior, and we missed the financial aid deadline for a couple of his colleges. Is it worth it to apply now? Uh, yes, we get this a lot. So I would still apply, but make sure that they do so right away. Um, some colleges can be super strict with their deadlines, others not so much. And then some might actually have an internal deadline that's later than their published deadline that they're not necessarily going to advertise to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you apply, so if you do apply and you're expecting need-based financial aid, but then you end up receiving an award letter that doesn't have any grant, definitely at that point check back with the school to see if it was because you were late um, and ask them if they can consider um, funding for future years or if there's anything they can do for this year. Um, every once in a while, um, that might happen. Um, but it's, yeah, definitely apply now. Make sure. Um, right. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? They can say no. Um, right. But they might, there might be, you might actually not be as late as you think. Got it. Okay. Um, then this one is also for current uh, senior. So we received financial aid award letters from a couple of my daughter's early action colleges already. Is she going to receive more money from the FAFSA? Ah, uh, okay. So there's two scenarios that I'm thinking of. So one is, so if your daughter received a merit scholarship already, once the FAFSA is received and reviewed by the financial aid office, they will actually go back and review for any need-based aid, which may or may not include grant funding, federal work study, student loans, um, and so there would be a change in the, in the financial aid. But there's another scenario that I had all the time back at Babson. So if the college required the CSS profile and you say you submitted that back in December for early action and you've already received an award letter, it's very likely that they already included the need-based aid in that initial award letter. So we would get this question all the time where, where families would... Uh, complete the profile, we'd send the financial aid award um, tentatively, and then they would file the FAFSA because we need the FAFSA on file to finalize federal funding, and they would assume that there was going to be additional funding offered where the profile actually allows colleges to estimate the federal formula uh, on the FAFSA. Mm-hmm. So we were already including you know, the federal Pell Grant if they were eligible, federal work study and student loans, and our need-based grant on that initial award. Got it. Kind of two scenarios here. Got it. Right. So it was already kind of included. Okay. So the answer is, it depends. Yeah. It's just like everything. (laughs) 
Yes, it's just like everything on the admission side, too, so it cracks me up. Uh, Okay, here's another one. Waiting for decisions right now. Um, My son applied to all regular decision schools. Uh, When will we receive the financial aid awards? Ah, good one. Okay. So sometimes they do come with the actual admission acceptance, which is really nice. That way you're not waiting, Um, but not always. So some may come after. Um, They're never going to come before the acceptance. Um, but they can come slightly later. And then assuming that you applied by the financial aid deadlines, then you'll definitely receive the financial aid award well before that May 1st enrollment deposit deadline because the schools know you have to make an informed decision about your financial options. Um, One thing that, you know, students usually know this, but parents don't always, that colleges usually have websites where the the, um, student can log in and view their application requirements and even their admission decision and financial aid award. So have your son check each college to review the, the application requirements to make sure that they're received. And you can also check back in March and in April to view the admission decision and financial aid award before it actually arrives in the mail. Right. Yes. Definitely should be keeping an eye on those pieces for the schools that have those because guess what? Not every school does, which is why. Right, unfortunately. (laughs) Which is, you know, it's not, it's not a, um, you can never make a blanket statement because everything does, everyone does everything differently. And these people have a portal. These people have none. These people mail. These people do email. So, oh, well, that's why we're here, I guess. So we'll look at it that way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. We have time for one really quick question. Um, Okay. And that is one of the colleges my son was accepted to send him a letter asking for an early deposit for priority housing. Um, I thought we had until May 1st to decide. We have not received financial aid from all colleges yet. If we deposit early, will we still be able to negotiate if another college, is off- if another college offers more money? Oh, okay. So your son definitely has until May 1st to pay the enrollment deposit and still be guaranteed a spot in that class. Um, if they happen to be asking for it earlier, um, if they do have housing limitations, definitely reach out to the college and ask them for an extension. You know, it, be honest and explain that finances are a factor and that you need to weigh all of his options. I'm reluctant to say to deposit early because then if you want to go back and appeal or negotiate the financial aid later, you may not have as much luck as you would have if the financial aid office thought that during that appeal and negotiation process that the their, you know, that your enrollment's dependent on receiving more funding. Mm-hmm. So two things to think about there. Yeah, that's a good one. And I do want to mention um, that we do have two segments coming up, one on March 17th on appealing a financial aid award and one on March 24th on negotiating a better financial aid award. Um, We also have one in the archives from last year. You know I'm always sending you guys to the archives. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I want to thank my two student guests, although they're gone now, but thank you to them. Um, A few important things to note before we wrap up. Uh, Those archives, don't forget, they're there. Um, Sign up for free downloads of the show on iTunes. Um, And hey, while you're there, if you wouldn't mind rating the show, that would be really great and helpful to us. Um, The archives for our show, packed with useful information, so you can check them out. They're on iTunes. They're also on the Voice America site. Um, We're also now on Pinterest. You could search for at College Coach BH. So again, it's at College Coach BH. 
That's for Bright Horizons, who owns us, not Beth Heaton. But hey, think about it as Beth Heaton, and you'll remember. Um, And you will go right to us if you do that. Next week, my colleague Ian Fisher is going to be hosting. We're super excited to have Kelly Bird, who's the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at the University of Georgia. She's going to be joining us to talk about admissions at large state schools. Um, that, that was prompted by a listener question, so thank you very much for those. We're also going to be talking about how colleges evaluate high schools. You may be wondering how the college understands where your child goes to high school. We're going to talk about that. Um, and then we're also going to talk about financial aid verification If you do have questions, email us, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.